Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. The City Council of Hamilton is has begun the early days of budget talks and dealing with some budgets and some money that we will be looking at down the road. What we heard a number of days ago, a number of weeks ago, was from the head of finances for the city, Mike Zagarek, was that the city may be looking at a 6.9% tax increase. That's the starting one. Now, that rarely, if ever, happens. Council always finds ways to whittle it down, but I want to get into that in just a second with my uh, my first guest today. Uh, he is he is now a city council veteran. He's only in a second term and through two weeks in, but he is a city council veteran, Ward 8 Councillor John Paul Danko. How are you? Thanks for doing this today. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Well, as I say, I mean, now that you are uh, one of the few people who knows what's going on at council, because everyone else is so fresh and so new that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're the old guy now. You're the old guard. Uh, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, I think we have some really strategic thinkers on council, and, you know, they're, they're really challenging the, the status quo. It's really exciting, actually. Before we get to the tax part, I just there was a tweet that you put out a few minutes ago. I wanted to ask you about this one. Uh, Hamilton Count City Council voted to formally request our two local Ontario PC Party MPPs, Skelly, uh, Donna Skelly and Neil Lumsden, to appear before council to publicly answer questions about the disastrous impact of Bill 23 and related issues. Will they have the courage to answer to taxpayers? That was a tweet that went out. There was another one that followed. It's a really interesting uh, position that council has created here or, or had asked, but is there any value to it? The only reason I ask that is because they are two people who are doing the bidding of their party leadership. Is it fair to put them on the spot for decisions that aren't theirs? Absolutely. They were elected by the you know taxpayers of the city of Hamilton, and they need to answer to those taxpayers that they represent. They are our provincial representative at, representatives at Queen's Park. And MPP Skelly and MPP Lumsden uh, really need to speak up about, you know, the impacts of Bill 23. This is a massive tax from the, from the Doug Ford government that is going to impact City Hamilton taxpayers because we will be subsidizing developer profits through municipal tax, property taxpayers. That's not fair, and they need to answer to that. What? Uh, when? I, I didn't see this vote. Was this vote today that was this was taken? This was today at council. Yeah. Okay. All right. And what would be the expectation? I mean, are we are? Do you expect that you're going to have them in front of council? Well, I would hope that they would have the courage to uh, to attend council and answer questions in a public forum. Uh, there is precedent from this. Uh, MPPs have uh, delegated in front of council before. And as I said, they were uh, elected by their representatives. Um, they both represent areas that have significant rural uh, properties and, and farms. And I, I think, you know, they owe us, uh, taxpayers and council, some answers as to why do they want to pave over farms for sprawl development? Why do they want to increase City Hamilton taxpayers' taxes? Uh, why do they want to dismantle rent control and environmental uh, uh, controls? And, you know, these are really serious issues that we are facing as a municipality, and we're not getting the answers that we need from uh, the Premier and from Minister Clark, and we expect better, I think, from our local representatives. 
We'll follow up on that one uh, for sure once we uh, once we hear anything about that. But let's talk a little bit. Um, that that came up just as I was coming on the air, so that was I thought I'd bring that up. But I did want to talk to you. It's a it's a good segue because I did want to talk to you about taxes because you are beginning the process of going through this, and we did hear a bit of a frightening number from Mike Zagarek a, a few weeks ago, and you now point out that you know what these development charges could add to the taxes. Are are Hamilton taxpayers? Should they be getting ready to be walloped with a big tax increase? I think, you know, as in your own household, we've seen huge increases in uh, cost of living for residents. Uh, We know that City Hamilton um, taxpayers and residents are are really challenged when they go to the grocery store, when they fill up the car. Uh, You know, the, the income that they have does not go as far as it had. And there's, there's many reasons for that. Um, so at the city, we're facing very much uh, similar challenges in the services and the, the goods that, that we need in order to provide the services that we provide as a, as a city. So um, when we're putting out contracts, when we're buying things like road salt or chemicals to treat the water, all the costs for these things have gone up astronomically in the last couple of years. So yes, we are definitely facing a, a very serious um, tax impact this year. And I think as a council, we're looking at every opportunity that we have to uh, keep that as manageable as possible, uh, understanding that the ability to pay by Hamilton taxpayers uh, has been severely impacted in the, in the last few years. And I think a lot of people Councillor, I think a lot of it, probably most people, I think everybody probably could hear what you're saying and say, yeah, I get that, that we have to buy these chemicals and it costs more. So the city's going to have to, going to have to pay more, going to have to find more money. And that seems to always come down to tax dollars. That being said, though, should that not mean that councillors are looking, are not necessarily adding to the costs? That, that programs or other ideas that may be really good ideas maybe have to be put off for a while rather than adding them to the pile of things that we have to spend on. Absolutely. And I think we're in a really interesting time right now when we're talking about taxes and budgets in the city of Hamilton, because for years and years, we have kind of gone about things the the opposite way, where we've set a budget and then we've tried to figure out what we can do within that budget. Now we're looking at more of a needs-based budget. So when you're talking about needs and wants, we're really trying to assess in a much more strategic way about what it is that we really need to do as a city, what are the core services that uh, we need to deliver, and how can we best strategically uh, do that and and have an honest conversation about you know, what is actually required to do that. So if you look at something like the capital budget, which has about a $200 million uh, annual uh, deficit, that's something that, you know, we need to be honest about how much it's going to actually cost to, to uh, you know, take care of our roads and infrastructure um, in a way that is, is open and transparent as possible, that there are really uh, big needs out there that we need to address as a city. Um, along with a lot of the social uh, issues that we've been facing um, through COVID and as a result of that with homelessness and housing affordability, 
Um, there's some really big, uh, you know, overall overarching arcing issues that we face as a city that the city, the services that we provide are critical um, in order for residents to have a, you know, a, a good quality of life. And, and once again, I mean, with things like capital, like we, we just had the thing with the sewer and now we're going to have all the sewers explored and everything. And I, I mean, I like, I think most people understand we don't, we, you know, you need to have the sewers that don't leak or don't explode or whatever else, all that kind of stuff I get. I think I'm thinking more of in the in the few last few days we've had recommendations or at least inquiries into whether okay HSR rides should be free for kids or whether staff budgets uh, should be going up or you know we just hired a new uh, person for uh, environment uh, you know two hundred thousand dollars salary are these the times to be adding those kinds of things or should we be looking to be much more for lack of a better word, tight with our money because we know there's so much other spending to do elsewhere. Honestly, I think our city, Hamilton, is uh, very, you know, for lack of a better phrase, tight with our money. Uh, we are a very lean municipality. There's not a lot of uh, fat to be trimmed, and the fat that could be trimmed has been trimmed a long time ago. So, you know, just in, in my experience with uh, at the city that... Um, it is very efficient. Now, that's not to say there's not more efficiencies that can be found. Of course, there are. Um, but again, it, it, it's kind of identifying the priorities that, uh, of certain goods and services that our residents um, you know, really need for their quality of life and being able to provide those in, in an efficient way. Um, and yes, there are some, some you know, programs that are, are maybe uh, you know, more of a want than a need. And that's that's what we're going through with a needs-based budget is to really identify, you know, through asset management and through identifying, um, you know, through consultation, those services that uh, that are critical for our residents. Ward 8 Councillor John Paul Danko. Uh, we'll have lots more to talk about this over the next number of months as the, uh, as the budget process goes along. But I uh, really appreciate you taking a few minutes today. Thank you for this. Anytime. Thanks so much. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Earlier in the show today, I was talking about how I was down at the Hamilton Bulldogs game this morning. This, this morning they had a game. It was a school day game. They had about 8,700 school kids in the arena for the game. And it was unusual, and I'll tell you why, because probably all this year, that was their 26th game, I think, of the season, there probably have not been five fights all season. Today, there were five fights in one game. But it's unusual anymore to see a lot of fighting in hockey professional hockey, junior hockey, whatever. It's just it's not nearly the part of the game that it once was. I mean, back in the 1970s, if you watched hockey, Broad Street Bullies, Philadelphia Flyers, bad, Big Bad Bruins, Montreal Canadiens had a bunch of guys. You could go down the list, Tiger Williams with the Leafs, whoever. Fighting was every single game. Now, there's a very good chance if you go to a hockey game these days that there will not be a fight. Probably a considerably better chance than actually seeing a fight. Here's the thing, though. There are still people who love a good hockey fight. I know some of you are saying that's gross. No, no, it's 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 part of what hockey was. It's part of what people grew up watching, and some people say they really like it. So is there a way that you could be sure that if you go to the rink that you could see a fight? Well, in fact, yes, there is. There is a new organization. Well, it's not brand new. It's it's new enough that is presenting nothing but hockey fights. 
it is kind of like boxing or mixed martial arts or something, but on skates and people go and that's what they get. And there is one, well, maybe the hub, I don't know if you want to say the hub right now is in Wyoming. Brian Peterson is a financial advisor, but he's also the Wyoming MMA commissioner who is behind a new sport, we'll call it, the, the, uh, a sport of hockey fighting. You realize now, Brian, how are you today? Good, my friend. Thank you for having me on today. It's wonderful. Well, well, listen, I really appreciate you doing this because I saw a story about this and I thought, you know, I am probably not surprised if I really think about it that someone has come up with this as a thing to do because there are, you know, some people may hate this, but there are still a lot of people who love a good hockey fight. You know, this was actually brought forward by industry of people looking for just that. Um, I would liken it to um, Wyoming was the first state in, in North America to um, regulate and sanction bare-knuckle boxing. And um, it was legal before that. We had 37 fights in, in three years. Uh, sorry, I apologize, in five years that were bare-knuckle boxing. But the folks who were participating weren't necessarily um, recognized for what happened because if a sanctioning body doesn't approve of it and it doesn't have standardized rules, then it didn't really happen. So now all the money you put into it, all of the training you put into it, all of the effort, the time, counts for nothing because it's not a recognized fight. So we then had industry come to us and said, will you please sanction this? Um, we we want to be looked at as for what we are, and that's an, an actual sport. The, that's exactly what happened with Ice Wars. Uh, Ice Wars came to uh, the Wyoming Commission because we have a, a history of, of meeting industry uh, where it wants to be met. And saying, um, we'll, we'll help it if you will listen to our rules. And our rules are always about, uh, you know, we've got to have, uh, uh, medical people on staff. You have to have physicals, blood work. We want to make sure that the fighters are equally matched because in the end, it's about fighter safety. If you want a sanctioning body, it's got to be about fighter safety. So we actually came up to Ontario for two events, Ice Wars one and Ice Wars two and uh, regulated that, and, and so uh, uh, Canada was the home to the very first uh, sanctioned event uh, there in Ontario, and now Wyoming will host the first in the, in the U.S. Hmm. And um, uh, we're, it's Ice Wars 3, and uh, uh, we're real excited about it, um, and, and I think we're going to have a real great turnout, and a lot of people already uh, want to be part of it. Uh, so first of all, I had no idea that uh, that Ice Wars had actually happened in Ontario, right around the or somewhere near us. I'm not even sure where in Ontario that would have been, but uh, I'll I'll figure that one out. I wondered though, as I was listening to this, you're talking about the sanctioning bodies and all the rest. I wondered if you needed any kind of sanctioning bodies for this, because in a game of hockey, you don't need a sanctioning body if a fight breaks out. It's part of the game. And I thought, well, maybe as long as they're wearing equipment and wearing skates and wearing helmets that you could just say, well, it's a hockey game and we're just carrying on the way a game would have. What it's about is, uh, and you're exactly right, uh, it's not expressly illegal to host an event where you have only hockey fighting. Um, What it's about is the desire to have, so you have these national ranking systems, you know, like a boxer uh, will win, uh, his, uh, his, his bout, and then it goes to a national reporting system. And then his official record is then stored uh, between uh, states and nations. And then you can always look, okay, well, this guy's 16 and 1. Okay, well, this guy's 7 and 2. But if a sanctioning body isn't overseeing it, these athletes um, will never have their work put, their work recognized or that. So we are able then to upload uh, 
all of the outcomes to places like BoxRec or or a series of other MMA uh, places that want to say, okay, well, this is where we're going to store the official records for these folks. But you're right. You can absolutely have this without a sanctioning body, and there's nothing illegal about that. It's just about recognizing it as an official sport, and, and that's what really what we're all about. If the industry wants it and they can provide for fighter safety, then we will come and, and help them with their, uh, with their event. Who are the people who do this? I mean, are these all former hockey enforcers, or are these fighters who just put on skates and try and fight? You know, you've got a little bit of a mix of both, but what you really got to see is that everybody's got a baseline in hockey. Because I, I assure you that Floyd Mayweather and hockey skates is, on hockey skates is not Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> you know, no. you have to have uh, so maybe maybe a couple of decades, you know, just on a pond and, you know, at a local rink and, and figuring it out. Uh, uh, here in, um, I'll tell you, so in, in Wyoming, we don't go out on the ice because, um, uh, it, you know, you'll have snow and then it'll be 50 degrees the next day. And so you, you, you're going to fall through the ice. And then when I visited... Uh, Minneapolis uh, uh, and worked there for two years in, in 98, 99 as an adult. People were driving. I was. They were, they were driving these big, heavy Escalades and, 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 and Suburbans out on the ice. You could hear it cracking, and everybody was fine, and I was super nervous. But uh, but I, I out here, I didn't have the opportunity to get on ice skates until I was invited to my son's uh, a birthday party when he was when he was seven, and it was ugly. Uh, I, I had a some sort of cone mechanism that I was working my way around the ice on. I had to use the walls all the way around. And, um, <laughs> and I fought um, MMA for 11 years. Uh, I, I fought uh, in Thailand. I, I boxed. I've got a decent game. But uh, you won't want on skates. It's a whole other world. So I would say that being a, 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 a decent hockey player or a decent skater is fundamental to even the entry level in this sport. All right, so so walk us through this because first of all, I mean the fact that it's been around here, which uh, again I I didn't even know about until you told me. So somehow it flew under the radar, but would also I would assume means it could come back and could get some traction yeah. around here. Is this? Do you just do this in a hockey rink? Do guys skate out into the middle of the the center ice circle of a hockey rink and everyone's there, or what do you do? What's the setup? That's a, that, so the setup comes in. What they do is they put up boards and they, they shrink the size of the uh, of the rink. So now you're talking basically between the blue lines, a little narrower, and then what you that also creates more seating then on the ice for folks to be watching as well as in the as in the traditional stands. Um, the uh, two guys come out. We need to we need to have it's, it's weight classes. The weight classes now are between um, uh, 175 and 205 because you have to have same size fighters. Same works with wrestling, boxing, MMA, uh, Muay Thai, we, we, we got one comparable uh, size and then also comparable skill set. If you're 16 and 1 and, and I'm 0 and 4, you and I aren't fighting. That's not a safe fight, you know. So we've got to have that. So the two guys will skate to the center of the ring. You are in your complete hockey outfit, except for your, uh, no stick, uh, you're wearing, and we were adamant about this uh, for this, because they some guys wanted a, a loose helmet then you have to wear the three-ounce MMA gloves because we're not hitting a hand against the helmet, you know. Yeah, you break your hand MMA right gloves. away. Just, just on a flash. And, uh, and so, now, so now we're going to do uh, two uh, one-minute rounds uh, with a possibility of a third round for a tiebreaker because it's, um, it's, it's fast, and, and obviously when, when everybody falls, they stand them back up. Uh, and, it, and so that's why we're limited to, to one-minute rounds, whereas you 
if you could have probably more ground game, you would extend that time. But um, uh, like in an MMA fight, you got maybe a three minute round. But there's also some jujitsu taking place on the ground, and this that's prohibited here. It's a stand up, more like what traditional hockey fighting is when it's down. Referee splits them up, separates them, to come back together. There's time left in the one minute round, and we score the round similar to the way you do all other combat sports. It's a 10-9 must system. Winner gets 10, loser gets nine or less. Uh, You can be, um, uh, you can, you if you really get blown out, you can lose, you know, a 10-8. But you can also lose points if you're persistently kicking out your mouthpiece. Some guys will spit out their mouthpiece to buy time. We might deduct a point, and now you're starting it. Uh, you know, down a point before you even began the round, uh, or, or at least very deep in the round if you keep spinning out your mouthpiece. So there's a lot of consistency that we brought to the sport from our years of, uh, of what we've regulated, of, of course, boxing, bare knuckle boxing, Muay Thai, kickboxing. Uh, we were the first uh, place in the Western Hemisphere to regulate uh, uh, what's called Lethway with, with, with David Leduc, and that's um, uh, bare knuckle uh, Muay Thai with headbutt. And uh, David Leduc has been on uh, Joe Rogan. It's a, it's a fairly, it's the biggest sport in Myanmar, Malaysia. We had 3.1 million streaming views of that because of how big it is in Southeast Asia. It's 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 um, wildly big there, and I think there's a lot of potential for um, uh, this sport. They've got um, they've got good advertising, good excitement across uh, platforms like yourself, platforms uh, like Barstool, platforms. Uh, uh, Tesla has some advertising for them. Um, it, I think that this is going to be a pretty exciting thing to watch grow. And yeah, I can't well, to watch. I'm, I'm glad we're here in the infancy of it. Yeah, so I, I was, I'm, I'm kind of relieved in a lot of ways that you don't have a ground game for this hockey fighting thing. Yeah. Only because I've got this image, I've got this, the, the beginning of Happy Gilmore when Adam Sandler talks about being suspended because he was the first player to try and stab someone with a skate. I, you know, you oh, got skate, yeah. you got skates on, I'm not sure that rolling around on the ice is ideal for that kind of thing. It is a pure hockey thing, but who, okay, so where does this go then? What, what has been the... Obviously, there are people who are fans who want to come out and watch it, but what has the feedback been? Do you, have you heard a lot of people say, this is grotesque, this is taking the worst of hockey and turning it into something celebrated, or or is it primarily something you've heard mostly positive about? Well, I'll tell you, uh, we all live in a myopic world, and, and we all are in our own echo chambers, and unfortunately, because I'm the combat sports commissioner and I come from an MMA background, and I'm just saying, I, I see a lot of excitement. Now, I do acknowledge that there will be people who will not like it, but that's just like um, I had a, I, one of the most wonderful uh, uh, mentors I ever had in my life uh, was my um, uh, soccer coach, Tim Dennison. We won some state championships, and I tell people he doesn't make um, soccer players, he makes men, and he's a practicing Buddhist, and he don't go to any of the events. And, but he's a, uh, it, so it doesn't appeal to everyone, and I acknowledge it doesn't appeal to everyone. Uh, and uh, but that's true of every sport. Uh, not everybody watches, um, uh, you know, football on Sunday, and not everybody's tuning into the World Cup this week. But um, there are a, a, a good slice of us who enjoy combat sports in general, and then some people who just like hockey fighting. There are people who do like hockey fighting and and, and love. To, I like to talk about Bob Probert and some of the great goons of right. the past. Yeah. Um, for them, they'll come out for the novelty of that, but. I like to see, because I like to see combat sports grow because it helps other combat sports. There was a, a, a fallacy that boxing said early on that they said, you know, if this uh, MMA comes up, it's going to um, gonna steal from, from us. But it, it turns out um, uh, 
that MMA really brought back a lot of boxing recently and really brought a lot of it's, it's famine thinking. And, and the reality is when, um, when I share what I have on my plate, we all actually have more. And that's the way I think combat sports grow. So I'm excited to see just people interested in it because some kid might go to, you know, one of these ice wars, one of the hockey fighting events. And maybe someday he grows up to be a great traditional boxer because that's what he got involved in and, and was in a sport and had friends and had community and all the things that come along with that. And so uh, it won't be for everyone, but it'll be for uh, the right folks, and, and I hope that they enjoy the evening. That is uh, Brian Peterson. He is the guy, he's the commissioner, uh, the Wyoming MMA commissioner, and the guy behind Ice Wars out there, and maybe back here one of these days soon. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. No, thank you, brother. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.